Richardson takes it off! A goal from the heavens for Kieran Richardson! Really? He could be in here, he's all alone, he's gone! Sensation at Wembley from Sunderland! McKinney! Hello and welcome back to What The Fork Podcast, Sunderland Preview Show, in association with Viper Goalkeeping. Sunderland cruised to a 4-0 win over Crew Alex on Tuesday, thanks to another Dan Neal masterclass. However, the hard work doesn't stop there, as Sunderland face a side who always seem to throw a spanner in our works in the shape of Charlton Athletic on Saturday. And to preview the game, as an old pal of mine, listeners to the show will recognise the voice, part of the first ever preview podcast that I did back in 2018. Nath from Charlton Live joins us to give us a lowdown on what has been a pretty difficult season so far for the Alex. Nath, I'd normally ask how you are at this point, but we've spoken off air last night and it's fair to say you're not the happiest man on the planet. Has a good night's sleep changed that? <laughs> I wish, mate. <laughs> I, wish I, think, I was thinking last night on the train home after um, we were absolutely woeful against uh, Stanley um, and they, they weren't like deserved winners to be fair, but just sitting there thinking I've got to do this in the morning. <laughs> and to be got, I'll just make it clear, I'm not after any sympathy considering the last two Wembley appearances between the two of us and um, obviously what's happening down the road at Newcastle. So I'm not here preaching for, uh, feel sorry for me, but I will try and tell it as it is with, um, without, not, without crying anyway. I think we'll start off then with the off. I mean, obviously last night's game, we, we talked off a little bit about it as the games were on. We were cruising at Crew Alex, 4 0 up. Uh, Charlton started, shall we say, yet again, a 3 2 defeat home to Accrington. Accrington, not a bad side, let's be honest. Um, but I think it's fair to say that a 3 2 defeat, another defeat, wasn't good for yourselves. How bad was the game from, from your perspective? Oh, man. I mean, well, I went up to Lincoln on um, Saturday and that was bad. That was really bad. Um, and then yesterday it started the same. We thought maybe, you know, uh, home game, sound guards in the crowd, um, night under the lights, get a bit of impetus and uh, and that couldn't come out and set their stall to, to frustrate the crowd, which they did. Um, they got a goal and, well, Harry Pell, who plays for um, Accurton, used to be, be at Cholton from the age of six to 17. So um, he scored a free kick, blinding free kick, he scored another one, but it, apparently it didn't cross the line, but the cameras say that it did. And then we just huffed and puffed and we just don't really, um, we just can see goal for fun. We have no identity of playing. All we do at the moment is is just lump it to Jaden Stockley and with no one around him. Um, but I think, you know, yesterday it was just the feeling that we all knew what was going to happen. And I think Accurate and yesterday were more or less just, just over odds on favourites to win away at Cholton, which shows like how far we've fallen. Um, and to be honest, you, you, you look at the squad that we've got and, you know, no disrespect to any other team, but it's a top, it's a top six squad 
you've got players in there, Jaden Stockley, Harry Arter, um, Alex Gilby, Jonathan Lecco. You know, we've got some good players in there. But I, I think if you lose games, you know, no one likes losing. But if you have a way of playing and you're just unlucky um, or you're not getting the rubber to green, you just sit back and go, do you know what? It will turn. But we're just not playing well. We're just... And and it's, that's I think the baffling thing among supporters is that we just don't know how we're playing. The, the players look lost. Um, it's just confusing, mate. Because last season when Bo went, Adkins come in and we I think we only lost one game towards the end of the season, and that was with Bo as players. And so now we've had a summer, got all these signings in, albeit they were late. And I know we've got good players, but a lot of players were unfit. But we can't use that as an excuse. Um, and everyone's fit now, but. But now we've started like it is. It just doesn't make sense, mate. It doesn't make sense at all. I think looking at the Accrington game, just to give a bit of sort of context for the people who are not aware, you talked about how it's a home game, a chance mm. to kind of bounce back against the side that on paper you're better on, the squad's better than. Um, obviously, football's not played on paper, but nonetheless, that's how you view it as a fan. But the, the Lincoln game, it wasn't just a defeat. You lost in like the 91st minute, and that's kind of the time that it, it should realistically light a fire under your arse, shouldn't it? That, that's kind of how players sometimes see you get beat late on 91st minute. And then you think, right, home game choose tonight, chance to get out of our system. So that must be even more disappointing to put in such a poor performance and see that there's no fire lit under anyone's backside by the sound of it. Yeah, and I think, you know, I mean, and um, uh, Lincoln had a goal disallowed, which should have counted. And I think if we got a point out of the Lincoln game, I thought it would have been a travesty. We didn't deserve anything out of the game, if we're being brutally honest. Um, and I mean, yeah, I mean, you'd think it would fire players up and it's just really negative at the moment. And something, I tweeted last night, actually, it was the first, I've seen, I've seen us get relegated before. I've seen it and we've been rubbish before, but I think yesterday for the first time is the first time I've actually been embarrassed. And um, it was just, do you know what, like, I know people say, you know, are they trying? And I'm not, you know, we had a little flurry in the second half last night, um, probably because they got a bit of a rollicking at half time. But it just looks so lackluster. We look second best at everything, but we don't really do. We just look really open. And I mean, it's clear to see like the amount of goals we're shipping in that we're too open. And it just seems like they don't know what they're doing, like no one. Um, so, yeah, I mean, even you'd think it would fire them up. And try and like you know, poor 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 performance on Saturday. Let's turn it around on Tuesday, um, because I mean, let's be honest. If we before the Lincoln game, we looked at right Lincoln away, Stanley at home, and Sunderland away. We're going. Let's get four points. We right off the Sunderland game because we're not going to get. We won't even get a shot on target probably. Um, I know I'm probably a bit exaggerating a bit there, mate, but <laughs> that's the way we're seeing it. So now we've got zero points out of two winnable games you know no disrespect to Stanley like you said that they're a hard working team they do the dirty side of things uh, dirty side of game and and they do it well and the same as Lincoln but they wanted it more and I think that's probably where it's got to a stage now where a lot of a lot of fans let their let their feelings know after the full-time whistle you could say that much so so we don't really know what's going to happen from now um I'll be looking at the website today to see um if anything changes but who do you get? Who wants it? You know, in terms of if Adkins does go. I mean, I'm looking at the, the form table and obviously that by the time this goes out might change. It did did play on my mind a little bit, but um, one win in eight. Um, I tip you for the automatics. I think if anyone listens to the, the third tier podcast, I took you for, for second. 
partly tongue-in-cheek because I said Charlton always do us over, so we'll probably finish third or something along that line. But I, I genuinely thought you'd, you'd be at least top six, if I'm honest. But that's I've said one win in eight, but it's actually only two league games you've won all season. And we're now in October. I think Ipswich had a slow start of the season. That's obviously going to hinder them in terms of what their ambitions were. I think Charlton's ambitions were the same. I know the season can change a lot and Blackpool are a testament to this last season, but is it fair to say you're now in a relegation battle? Oh, 100%. I think, I mean, if we compare like for like um, last season, Oxford had the same uh, amount of points as after the same amount of games. I think this was, this might be before the um, Lincoln game, by the way, same amount of points, same amount of games. And they were, and MK, I think Plymouth were in sixth at that time. But they were like, I think they were like 12 points away and they ended up finishing sixth and losing in the playoffs. So, um, or the last last game of the season, they went in instead of us. So it can change. Of course it does. But I think we're looking at it at the moment going, where are we getting our next point? Forget a win. Where are we getting our, when, where are we getting our next clean sheet? You know, so we've had one all season, I think, which was against Crew, which was one of the two games we won. Um, but their squad was decimated when we took Kirk and all the others that left crew and then Fleetwood, which was just before the, you know, the international break and Nigel came out before the Lincoln game saying, yeah, good two weeks off because the international break, everyone's fit now, which he didn't, he didn't have to try and get people fit because Harry Arter came and he wasn't fit. Um, and there was a lot more Corey Blackett Taylor wasn't fit. Lecco wasn't fit, but he's done that now. So if you come, if you have the two week break and you're on the training ground, so I think Celtic done something similar where their manager said he's got two weeks to get their, their points across. And they had a good result on the weekend, didn't they? I think it was against, was it against Motherwell, I think. Um, so we've, yep. done, we've done that. So we've done that. And then we've come back and been even worse. So we've just gone backwards. So it's, yeah, playoffs is no, but all by a miracle, like we know, everything can happen in football, but it is a, it is a relegation fight, especially that we're what four points off Fleetwood and they've got a game in hand. Um, so yeah, sad to say in October that Charlton are in a relegation fight to not go into League Two, which is I never thought I'd hear, but it is what it is. And um, yeah, we just got to go to Saturday and <laughs> I think just park the bus and just cross our fingers and toes. I think. I think we'll come on to it. And obviously this might change by the time the podcast comes out because obviously if anyone's checking Charlton Athletic on Google and then clicking on the news tab, you'll see that words such as Nigel Adkins on the brink. How can Nigel Adkins win back the faith of the Charlton fans? Is it gone? Is the kind of thing that's been, been said. I think Adkins on paper, especially last season when he was appointed, he's a very positive guy. We've all seen the videos and I think you know, me, me, if I'm honest with you, I quite enjoy them, but like he's not managing my football club. Um, he seems a positive chap. He's he's had promotions before. Yes, when he's got in the championship, he sometimes struggled a little bit, but he's he's kind of like a, a more attractive version of Phil Parkinson, I suppose. He's had a couple of promotions out of uh, out of League One and, and with a good squad. It, it seemed to make sense, obviously, alongside the chairman and stuff as well, which will come on to you. But obviously, he might be gone by the time it comes to the weekend. But um is that a consensus within Charlton fans that they want him to go? Because it seems like, if I'm honest with you, from the reaction I've seen of your fans to last night's result, it's gone from from anger to apathy, which is always a problem. Mm. Yeah, and I think the majority of the fans is, you know, that everyone, no one wants him to fail, you know? Like, everyone knows he's a nice guy. Everyone knows that he's he is trying to do the right thing. But at the end of the day, for you to come in and have that squad, like, listen, if we had... 
like no squad and it was full of full of youth players similar to what happened to Bolton then you could sort of somewhat understand it but it's the players that we've got and it's our worst it's our lowest position in the history of the since 1905 whenever we were formed um it the nice the nice guy thing is great and you know everyone wants him to do and John Coleman come out and said yesterday after the game for Stanley saying you know it's not nice to see because he's one of the nice guys in football no one's debating that no one's not saying he isn't, but at the end of the day, results results are the ones that you see. They're the, you know the league table is where what you see every week. And judging by the response yesterday and on the forums, I've not seen one person in support of him staying. So, and if he doesn't go today, the only person that probably does want him to stay is for Thomas Sangard. But I think that's more of a a stubbornness and a and a a realisation that he's just forked out a lot of money for a lot of players and then he is he going to pay someone off three months into a season or whatever. So, But I would say, yeah, the majority of fans, the, I think the, the relationship between the fans and Nigel now is unfortunately irreparable, I think. When did it sort of snap? Was it last night or has it been has it been sort of coming? Yeah, it's been coming, to be fair. I mean, we obviously had a, we had a poor start, but everyone sort of gave him the benefit of that in terms of the fitness of players and stuff. But I think the turning point was the 4-1 home defeat at Bolton, um, which where we literally just capitulated. And don't get me wrong, Bolton played well, but we look unfit. And we just went to pot, basically. I mean, we, we scraped the draw against Pompey at home. Um, and, you know, there's there's other results in there. But, but like I was saying, the crew game, it just papered over the cracks a little bit, you know, so gave us that little source sense of, uh, full sense of optimism. But... Yeah, I think the, the, the Bolton game was probably when you first started hearing the rumblings. You had a few fans that wasn't really happy with his appointment in the first place and he's been out of the game too long, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but the majority, I would say, is like, listen, he's here now. Let's get behind him. He's a positive guy, new start, new slate. Um, and it's just not happened for him, unfortunately. And it's just come to a point now where even, it's, even if he wins on Saturday by some miracle, like that doesn't mean it's all fixed. So in theory, he's going to what win ten on the bounce, and then is it, and then it's going to be all right. But can we wait ten games and be towards Christmas and still in the bottom three? So it's a big, it's a big, big call. Whatever's going to happen next, whatever happens. So, but um, yeah, I think the majority of fans have, have had enough. To be honest, mate. It's it's funny when you mentioned talking before about. Um, I said it, it's gone from anger to apathy. I think that's when you always notice. For me, that that's when a manager goes. I, I remember under David Moyes, it was like we were pissed off for a while, and then it just got apathetic. With with Simon Grayson, it was pretty much apathy from the minute he walked in the door. If I'm honest, but I think you can see that in Charlton's fan base that it's like you probably feel like you can't even be asked to tweet about the game anymore because it's like what's the point? And that that's I think for me when it snaps, and it, it really wouldn't surprise me if by the time we release this podcast, it, it'll be he be on his way. But like you said before, who replaces him? I mean, obviously, that's normally the first question when a fan says, oh, get him out. You always have someone with a, the caveat of, well, who do you bring in? But is there any names that are floating about in the fan base that you'd quite like to see come in or a type of manager you'd like to see come in if he does go? Well, I mean, I mean, this is the problem. I think you've got some fan bases on um, on forums. You've got some fans on forums somehow thinking Chris Wilder's going to come. I don't know how that... Listen, if... If Wilder's presented with a large pot of money, who knows what can happen? But it's for me, I just don't think there's Alex Neal's been mentioned. Um, but again, it's like it's a 
it's a big job. A lot of fans are just saying, well, we've got obviously uh, Johnny Jackson and uh, Jason Yule that are on the coaching staff. Maybe give it to them for a few games. And Alan Kerbishley, who does Cholton TV every week with Scott Minto, maybe Alan Kerbishley can play some sort of advisory role. Um, but again, for me, it's like, yeah, that's all well and good. But if you give it to Jacko, that's a big job. And your first big job is that is to not let Chonk get relegated to their lowest ever division ever. Um, so, yeah, I mean, a lot of people, there's loads of names flying about, but until it happens, there's no point for me talking about it. But as soon as it happens, you'll get some, you'll get Neil Harris will get man, mentioned, Alex Neil, Chris Wilder, Chris Hewton. But again, it's like they've got to want to come here. You know, it's a big job. Um and an experienced one, but we just look so open at the moment. And we just, all we do at the moment is ball comes out, goalie lumps it to Jaden Stockley and we try feed off the scraps, but we're never close enough to Jaden to feed off the scraps. So, and you'll see that on Saturday, unless we have a sudden change of plan. You're going to bringing uh, Clive Mendonca for his first job. Well, well, yeah, imagine, well, to be fair, <laughs> Clive would be all right. If he played up front with Jaden, if he put, t- well, this is the thing, if you had two up top, we've got Connor Washington there sitting on the bench and he's a good finisher. But, I mean, he came off the bench yesterday and got, you know, set up Jaden for the second goal. So, um, but Nigel seems to like this 4-2-3-1. Um, obviously, we've got Dobbo, you had last year. He started the season and has been bombed mm. out. Um, <laughs> shame, really, because I thought he looked quite, in pre-season, he looked really confident. And then I think he had one bad game. Sheffield Wednesday, he was brilliant. He was our best player. And then um, I think there was one game, I can't remember who it was against. He was absolutely woeful. It might have been Wigan. Um, and yeah, he's not he's not been he's not had a chance since. So I don't think you'll see him on Saturday. I, I wanted to go into depth about your, your transfers because obviously there's a mm. lot of names there that you know. But I'll, I'll start with Double. Um, mm. Listeners to the podcast will know I jokingly had a kind of love in for George Dobson, but it, it was very much tongue in cheek because obviously it didn't really work out. But loved at Walsall, he was the captain there, when, and I know they've dropped down a division, but they were League One at the time. His captain there came from West Ham, obviously came through at Arsenal, so he's had a good youth career, good academies. Um, spoke to uh, Ivor Heller, who obviously is a director at AFC Wimbledon, who had him on loan last year, said he absolutely loved him. Spoke to AFC Wimbledon fan earlier in the season who said he was phenomenal, though desperate to keep him. But they said, look, at the end of the day, like Charlton have got more chance of going up. We kind of get it. Um, but he was poor at some. And, and I looked to see if he was in the starting lineup. And I had to go all the way back to August to see the last time he started a game. And then I noticed, not just August since he started a game, he hasn't really been on the bench outside of Pizza Cup games. Um, mm. You never want to write anyone off this early, and especially if a new manager came in, if things go the way we think it might go, then that might change his fortunes for him. But would it be safe to say, even at this stage, it's probably not worked out, the, the George Dobson move? Yeah, no, I think you can say it's not worked out. I feel I feel very sorry for him, if I'm honest. I think, um, obviously, losing Jake Forster Kasky at um, the end of last year was a big, big loss for us in the middle of the pitch. So when Dobbo was playing, I mean, this was before Harry Art joined. We had Dobbo and Ben Watson. Everyone knows Ben Watson is not the most agile of uh, players. So what Dobbo was doing, he was getting pulled out, trying to do all of the work to try and help Ben Watson. And then also you've got Albie Morgan, who's more of an attacking player, but he's not a 10. He's like a, he's not a deep lion player because he's, he, his defensive positioning isn't great. So if he ever played with Morgan there, again, Morgan's positioning isn't great. So Dobbo's also doing the work for that. So he kept getting caught out of position a lot, um, Dobbo. So 
I don't know, maybe if, if something does change, I still think he can play in this division. I really do. But I think he's going to have to have someone with him. I think, I mean, in my opinion, if could you get Harry Arter and Dobbo in the same team? I think you could if you could push Alex Gilby up a little bit. But then you've got Elliot Lee, who's been our best player so far. Um, so, yeah, I feel sorry for him. But, yeah, you can't really hide the fact that it hasn't worked out for him yet. But I don't think it's the end of the road for him just yet. It does feel like a sad situation in a sense because, I mean, as much as Sonnen and Charlton have history, it's not a negative history. Maybe results-wise it is for us, but I think in general we've always got on. I remember that coming back from the Charlton game, obviously the, the playoff a couple of seasons ago and, and we were chatting on. That that hasn't been the case with Portsmouth when we had them in the, the checker trade, which was a far less um, important game. So I think there's kind of a mutual respect between Sunderland and Charlton in a way. But but last time we spoke, you you weren't in great form, but you were in eighth. You had a new owner. You had half a chance at a playoff spot. The new owner was being quite vocal online. It seemed like a good situation because Charlton weren't really in trouble when it comes to ownership beforehand. The new owner is obviously someone who doesn't like to hide away. We had similar at the beginning with Stuart Donald. I won't go into depth about it. That hasn't obviously worked out and it's definitely... A sour relationship. Um, Sandergaard's obviously a new owner. It's been about a year that you've had him in charge. He's still quite vocal online, but how is the ownership viewed at present based on the, the fact that you started the season so poorly? Yeah, it's a difficult one, really. I think because obviously when fair cards come in, obviously prevented us going under massively. I think a lot of people don't understand how close it was for us to literally go under. Um, so there's always going to be that element. He's always bought some time or bought some tokens or goodwill with as you were um with it and you you know he's the transfer window was very late but he's he's backed it you know you look at players like Leco and Art they're not going to be on two thousand pound a week so he's obviously backed them um he's obviously made his choice of Nigel Adkins and you know he is vocal online and you can see he watches every game and that's good but I think it's come to the time now where everyone can see it but maybe not him. But it's a case of him saying, "Do I, do I, you know, jump the gun and get rid of and pay him off?" But then I've got to get someone else in, and then that manager might not like any of these players that I've just splashed out on for. And he's got a project, he's got a vision, and I know, I know, I know it's. I feel for him a little bit, but I think sometimes it doesn't help himself being too vocal on social media. Sometimes I think there's going to be times where you 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 are visible. But there's also some times where you don't get too involved because we don't actually have a CEO on the ground at the, you know, at, at Chow. And we've got Jed Roddy, who's a technical director who's involved at Reading and part of the FA. Um, and we have a, obviously have an operational team, but we don't. He, he's a CEO who lives in Colorado, you know. So, uh, yeah, I feel for him at the moment, but it, the, the proof is going to be in the pudding over the next few weeks on what he decides to do. Because if he keeps him and it gets to Christmas and then he goes, ah, I might make a change now. It could, I know it's December, but it could be a stretch too far. Um, and then you're going into the Christmas period and then January. So if he doesn't go today or by the time we play, if we lose to you on Saturday, which is very, very likely, um, and he still doesn't get rid of him, then it's going to be quite, um, I think things might start turning nasty. People are tweeting him now, which I don't agree with, um, just sort of saying, I think he said that he was here. So when he tweeted saying he was going to be at the game last night, I think there was a hundred odd replies to him, more or less 90% of them about Adkins. So I think it swings and roundabouts and 
But I mean, as a person, he, you know, he's, his heart's in the right place. He has a vision. He's ambitious. But I think the problem that he did last year he, at the end when we we beat Hull and we just missed that playoffs, he came out and said, don't worry. Um, this isn't a quote, but along the lines of uh, don't worry, we're going to blow the league out of the water. So when you say that, you've got to back it up. And obviously that's not happened. So I think that might be a PR stunt he might have to think about. Um, if he's going to say anything like that again. <laughs> it reminds me a little bit of Thomas Gravison, just by the way that he looks. Or David Brent. <laughs> well, no, we've got a better version of it. Well, we had a better version. Well, do we still have it? Well, I don't know where Methven is, but apparently he's still <laughs> somewhere on the... Yeah, let's not go into that. That's a, that's a bad memory. Things are good at the moment. Let's stick with the positive. Um, you touched before on players that you brought in. Mm. I, I touched on before about players that you brought in, just off the top of my head here. Uh, players that obviously people will be aware of. Uh, Jaden Stockley, good signing. Sean Clare, good signing. Chris Gunter, vastly experienced. Sam Lavelle, um, maybe not known to some people, but obviously had a he's had a good career elsewhere, and he's, he's probably a good standard league one. Papa Soiree, Charlie Kirk, linked to Sunland in the summer as well. Craig McGivelry, obviously people will know him. I think a lot of people were frustrated. Sunland didn't sign him. Obviously, we brought in Hoffman, but at the time, people wanted number one. He was free, probably the best one available at this level. All really good quality League One players, and I've probably missed out three or four that you brought in as, as well. Mm. Um, rather than go through each one individually, which ones have, have worked out? Which ones have actually worked? Oh, wow. <laughs> to be fair, I mean, Mags, uh, Craig McGillivray yesterday, probably had one of his poorest games for us yesterday, but before yesterday, he's been one of our better players. Without him, we would have lost, we would have shipped a lot more goals in. Um, there's obviously there's some pros and cons with him, like there is with every player, but I think he's worked all right. Um, I like Lavelle. I do like Sam Lavelle, but I just think he needs someone experienced next to him because he stepped up from League Two, so he's still transitioning as well. Uh, and Leko, Leko's been Leko's been great for us. He sort of when we had him with, when Bowie was here, and and then Bowie let him come to us on loan. He's worked out right. And Corey Blackett Taylor for me is the the surprise one. So we got him on a free. I think he left Tranmere. He was good um, against us last year in the, the Papa John's Trophy. For people who might not remember the name, he was the, the winger on the left-hand side up against Max Power, would have been at right back, <laughs> um, I think. Um, but he, he is tricky, isn't he? He's direct. Yeah, he's very, yeah, he's very powerful. And I thought, you know, he's not really going to be in the team. But Kirk, Charlie Kirk's been very poor since he came in. The, the thing is with Kirk, I think he's got a bit of time because... On deadline day, we um, we were due to sign him, and then his dad passed away, um, literally on the day. So there was touch and go whether it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it did happen. So he's a young kid still. You know, his dad's just yeah. passed away. Moving to London, that's tough. So I don't know. Yeah, it might be that um, he's he's struggling a little bit. But Saturday, we was it was probably the one of the worst performances from a professional footballer I've ever seen, which is saying something. And he wasn't in the squad yesterday. Um, so I don't know. Maybe we need to just let him have some time and to settle in, really. But, I mean, like, yeah, Jaden Stockley, you know, uh, Elliot Lee is the one we got on loan from Luton. He's been very good for us. We, everything goes through him if he plays. Um, we were up until 20 minutes on Saturday against Lincoln. Was uh, He was our man of the match and he only played 90 minutes until he come off uh, with sickness. I mean, he didn't play yesterday, so... There's been more failures, um, or the ones that haven't worked yet, shall I say, if I try to be positive, um, than there's been good ones, mate, to be honest with you. Elliot Lee's Rob Lee's son, isn't it? Yeah, that's the one. And then you see you've got um, Ollie Lee, who's at Gillingham as well. So they're that's brothers. Right. 
Um, are we that old now? Are we that old now that Rob Lee's son is playing in a, a team and is <laughs> yeah. one of the more experienced players? That's terrifying. <laughs> it is, isn't it? But yeah, no, Elliot's brilliant. He links up um, he links up really well. But when he doesn't play, we just go direct to Jaden, which you'll see on Saturday. It, I've seen a few people having to go at Jaden Stockley towards, and we're talking start of the season, but I think I'm at loath to mention him, but it's the first name that comes to mind. Um, he scored 31 goals last season with Charlie White. A lot of the time before that was quite statuesque. We've got obviously Ross Stewart at the moment, who is a different player and, and runs the channels, and and he offers you a little bit more, in my opinion, than than, than what we had had previously. Stockley feels a little bit statuesque. He's not really the kind of striker that runs the channels and the way you play him. I think sometimes it's a case of he's just fighting for long balls all game, isn't it, from what I've seen? Yeah, no, exactly. And yeah, Charlie White's a great comparison. We saw Charlie, saw Charlie White come down when Wigan beat us 2-0 at home and you could see very, very similar traits. So I think the problem is, I mean, Nigel likes to pr- try and play with a press um, and Jaden and Charlie White will not, will not start a press. Um, what they'll tend to do is probably force players into other parts of the pitch to set traps for a press. Um, and I think that's probably when you're playing with one up top and two wingers, which we do, we're not really getting that press right. Or if we do press, it's always out of sync. So we just get picked off. Um, our two wingers don't really help our fullbacks. So you'll always have space there. But Jaden had some criticism because he wasn't scoring and fair enough. But in fairness to him, um, he's not been getting the service a lot of the time. It's we have no confidence. Let's just lump it to Jaden and see what he can do. But if you're 40 yards from goal and it's going to your head of your chest, what are you? What is he supposed to do? Um, and there was rumours yesterday he was actually having a, a disagreement with Jason Yule on on the pitch and the sideline, saying to change the shape because we're not getting the best out of him. We don't get crosses in the box. So what you are? So if you've got Jaden Stockley on, the, on your on you know leading the line, you have to get crosses in the box. Like you were saying, he's not got that movement to get in behind or anything. So we have to play to his strengths. Um, and that, yeah, so I do feel sorry for him. He's been getting some criticism, but he has been given the captain's armband, which I don't, really, don't know why. I just don't like strikers having armbands, but um, I'm more of a sort of central goalie, central midfield or central defence sort of captain. But yeah, he's had some criticism, but then so has the whole team. And, and to be fair, it's, been, it's, not been, it's not like it's undeserved. I mean, you can see the results um, and I know some of it's Nigel's fault, but the players have got to take a bit of responsibility as well. Yeah, they're still the ones on the pitch, aren't they, at the end of the day? Um, those goes back to the managers, we all know this, but still the players do have a part in responsibility. On the flip side, things are dead rosy in Sunderland. Um, <laughs> it's makes a change, doesn't it? Yeah, it really Let's does. Let's talk about positive. Things <laughs> are dead nice. talk about something positive. Um, so far, so good. We've obviously mm. had the Portsmouth game, which was in the swimming bath. I think we can get over that one. And, and the Fleetwood game wasn't great. But I think it's fair to say Sunderland and Charlton have had a history, like I said before. Not bad-natured, but we've had big games at big times in our history. So I know that we do keep an eye on each other's stuff. Obviously, we chat throughout the season regardless. But I think you know we keep an eye as fans on, on each other, especially when we're in the same division. From the outside looking in, what have you made of Sunderland season so far? Yeah, no, I think I think you've done started very well. I think the, the, the I think the result that surprised me the most, but judging by how how we got battered at home by this team was Cheltenham. How comfortable you was, um, you know, five 0 against Cheltenham because I thought Cheltenham literally it was the first time in a while where an away team has come and beat us and they actually got clapped off the pitch. Um, that's how good Cheltenham was against us. So seeing that you 
you know, you beat them quite convincingly was quite a statement. And obviously you beat Wigan, who was obviously going to be there or thereabouts. Um, but yeah, it's just like, yeah, it looks like it's... Once in the cup, once in the league, twice. twice. If we, any, any Wigan fans are listening, that was twice. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so you've had, you have a good start. You've obviously got MK Dons you beat as well. Um, Wickham, they're going to be up there. I think I still think Plymouth will fall away, but... Yeah, you've done all done all right. You know, you know that's what that's what we're saying. It's been a, like, a good relationship, and I actually hope you do go up. You know, because you have you've had it tough, and obviously the last, you know, at Wembley last time, it'd be nice for you to have a something to cheer about, especially with with what's going down going down with the mag. So, um, yeah, it's nice. It, I must admit, it's nice to see you doing well. But don't get me wrong. I hope we can try and you can let us have one win. You know, just so, because I mean you're well ahead, so. There's no way you're going to be having to worry about us having a late surge and getting you in the playoffs if you have a downturn about that. So you can at least let us have one, one, one win. I think as at the time of speaking, I could be wrong with this, but I think we've won every home game as well. So fingers crossed that's not the case. Um, <laughs> <Amazing. laughs> we now you can ask me for a prediction as well. Your prediction will be coming, but first and foremost, even more, even more bad news for yourself. Well, hopefully, anyway. But obviously, you had Aidan McGeady on loan a couple of years ago. We discussed him last year on the podcast, and it was before he came back into the side. He came back and he did well. Um, and he's still one of our most important players. Came back into the side yesterday. He's been out for a few weeks with injury, but um, I mentioned before Dan Neal at the start of the conversation. I'm, I'm trying to keep him under wraps. I think all Sunderland fans are because we don't really want anyone to, to take him because he's been class and he's obviously brilliant. Um, but I, I always like this question most from the outside looking in, from what you've seen in Sunderland, who are the players that are sticking out for you that you're most worried about in, on Saturday? I think, is it d- d- Ross Stewart, is it? Oh, yeah. Ian Bruhimovic or the Loch Ness Drogba or whichever you prefer. Yeah, no, I, I think he, every time I see him play, he always looks it looks dangerous. I'm surprised you didn't get, um, who, was that, who was that wing you had last year? Jordan Jones. Did he go Wigan? He went to Wigan. Uh, Jordan Jones was either the best player on the pitch or the worst. Um, and, I, and I can say that as someone who watches Rangers quite a lot as well. But he went to Wigan and I don't think he's done too much with, with Wigan either. No. Well, I think they've sort of huffed and puffed a little bit, haven't they? So... Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, Ross, Ross Stewart's probably up there. Um, I just think you've got, and obviously Dan Neal, who seems to be um, obviously chipping him with quite a lot of good performances and stuff. But I just think you've got all areas in the pitch. You've got it looks like you've got grafters as well. Now yeah. I don't think you've got many. Um, not that you did before. I just think you've got a lot of. You don't have many egos. You've got a lot of players that want to win. And obviously, to be fair to Lee Johnson, because I know he had some. Um, he had a bit of a tricky period, didn't he? Um, yeah, I mean, people want not wanting him there, which is fair enough. But it seems like, you know, the the summer you've got him, he's got you playing how you want to, you know, how you want it, how he wants to be played, really. Um, but where's Luke O'Neill playing now? Because I know he seems to have played in every position. Central midfielder almost um, exclusively. I don't think there's been points this season where, well, currently we're playing. Carl Winchester at right back, who's predominantly a central defensive midfielder, but he's obviously the best right back on the planet, which we weren't mm-hmm. aware of until he played there. Um, O'Neill signed his new contract in the summer, and although it's not being said, I think he's it's been said that he would exclusively play in midfield, I think, and, and he has done, but because um, obviously that's his position we signed him in. Mm. Poor last couple of games prior to crew, very, very good last night. Uh, I'll make no secret of it, I'm a big O'Neill fan. Um, there's a lot of people that aren't. He's a little bit more, might for some bizarre reason, I think. Um, but midfield alongside Daniel, but Daniel's the, the golden boy at the moment. And, and deservedly so, he's been tremendous. 
What about what about ex Mere Warboy Aidan O'Brien? How's he been? He's actually been getting back into the side. I, I must be honest and say that I don't think he's anyone. I don't think anyone's a, a massive fan of him. But yeah, you know, works hard. Um, he's got back into the side the past couple of weeks due to injuries, and he's put himself about. He he works his bollocks off. Yeah, and, 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 and he's a mere wall, proper mere wall player, isn't he? Really? Yeah, I can't I can't fault his work rate. His quality lets him down a little bit, but um, yeah, you know, I, I think he'll play on Saturday, and I'm, I'm kind of comfortable with it. He got a goal. Against Gillingham, he'll miss more than he scores, but um, yeah, I, I, I don't hate him. I just don't love him. He's a solid six out of ten. You know how we have those seven out of ten players. He's a six. Yeah, that's like a bit. That's a bit Ben Parrott and Francis. Or he's like doesn't do much, but he's always a six or a seven. Yeah, nothing more, nothing less. In terms of final question, as always, you know what's coming. Uh, prediction. Um, <laughs> I think I got mine right last week. I need to listen back, but I'm pretty certain I said we'd be Gillingham 2-1, and I'm pretty certain I got that right. I know my guest got that right. Um, I always find Charlton at home a tricky one. I always worry about it for some reason. Um, well, I thought we would get battered last time. Was we even 2-1 in the end? 2-1, yeah. And then, obviously, previously, before that, the one that sticks out to me is obviously the Lennon Gooch game, but then that came back on us by the end of the season with the, the last minute goal in the playoff. But I, I'm going to take something to have a, I think 1-0. I'm going to go 1-0. I, I feel like you've been conceding goals. We've been scoring a lot. So naturally it'll be a low scoring game in 1-0. I'll, I'll take 1-0. I'll be happy with it. Yeah, I mean, I'll take a 0-0. <laughs> I'll take anything. As long as you score nil, I'll take it. Like, but I, I, if I'm with my head, with my heart, I'd say nil nil. But I think if I'm thinking with my head logically, I can see, you know, I know I was joking earlier about getting absolutely pumped, but I still think we lose. I think we'll lose two nil or something like that. I, I just can't see us winning, just unless we have. It's one of those games where all of a sudden it clicks. I mean, because we've got players for it to click, so mm-hmm. um, it might do. But I, I can only go by the last what the game I watched on Saturday and last night, and I can't see anything other than a defeat. And I don't think anyone's going up there. Um, I'm, you know, luckily I've got a wedding, so I can't, I can't not mine. Um, I can't make it. But yeah, I can't see anything but a Sunderland win for me, which is it hurts me to say that. But I'm, I've got to be honest, and that's all I can say, mate. You just need to do what Portsmouth do and just make sure it like absolutely pisses down with rain specifically in the wing areas where we tend to play quite a bit and just try and play directly through the middle because for some reason Portsmouth can't get a win off anyone they got hammered 4-0 last night their fans sound as, as depressed as your fans mm. and uh, yeah they beat us 4-0 but yeah that was a, like I say it's from inverse well, if, you, if, you, if you play with your wingers if they're your key players then you're going to have a field day because our wingers don't track back so you're going to be one-on-one against probably Ben Parrotton and Adam Matthews because I can't see had uh, Chris Gunter playing tomorrow on Saturday because he was awful again. So um I forgot that Matthew existed. Yeah, he's still there. I mean, he's done all right, but then he kept giving silly goals away early in the season. So he found himself out the side. Um, and then yeah, we just keep chopping and changing. I think before the Lincoln game, I think we made like 24 changes in five games, I think it was. So that's quite a lot of changes that we've had. So we've not really had a consistent um thing. But yeah, wingers, you'll have a lot of space there unless we change shape. So that backs up my point that it'll be a Sunderland win. Nath, as always, I wish you luck for the rest of the season, apart from when we play each other, as always. Always got to catch up and have a good half-hour mm. chat as normal. Enjoy the wedding on Saturday, but don't enjoy the checking your phone on the results. Yeah, I don't I might just swerve it to be honest with you. I might I might just want to try and enjoy myself on a Saturday, to be honest, and not ruin my weekend. <laughs> but, um, 
but yeah, no, it's been good catching up, mate. And yeah, hopefully you can carry it on. And when we come to playing you, when are we playing you next in April, isn't it? April, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully you'll be, uh, you'll be, you'll be crowned champions by that stage. And then you can let us have a little cheeky win so we can stay up and avoid going to places like Port Bell and Sutton United, which is down the road from me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I said we we're going to win the league by 400 points. I don't know if that's mathematically possible, but anything's possible. Yeah, anything. If you believe in it strong enough, it's like Disney, isn't it? If you believe in it strong enough, it'll happen. Um, exactly. as, as always, to the people listening, um, subscribe. I, I've been telling people subscribe if you want, and people seem to be subscribing more. I think I'm not too far for a thousand nice. followers or something like that. So if you want to subscribe, you can. Thanks as always for checking in if, if you've made it this far um, and speak to you on Saturday or Sunday.